0: That question is so loaded, John, I don't even know where to start well, with that. Well, 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 well I, I guess I guess I guess the problem is is and by the way, it's kind of I love that question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> interesting, yeah, interesting. This is an interesting topic.
0: What's the solution here? Show up, understand your part,
1: and just crush
0: it. Pay-per-click, social media, we can talk about all this stuff, but what really matters is patient experience, that wow factor.
1: Startup Uncensored, the questions you have with the truths you need to hear. Now your hosts, Michael Hensio and John Bertagni.
0: What is going on, you guys? Episode 6, this is Startup Uncensored. Super excited about today. Today is uh, construction day, I suppose. We are we are interviewing one of the best in the industry and um, we're going to really break this down, John. I, and and thanks for being, a, as always, my friend, partner in crime, John Bertagni. Thanks for being here today, buddy.
1: Thanks, man. This is uh, this is actually when things get a little bit more tangible for, for folks. I mean, you know, hammers, you, you hear the hammering, you see things starting to come together, but there's steps before that. And, uh, You know, we're lucky enough to have Bruce from Apex um, out of Chicago. He's actually covers the this whole world in terms of construction um, (laughs) for uh, uh, design build and uh, building some beautiful practices. Um, Bruce, how are you, my friend?
2: Yeah, doing super. Glad to be on with you guys. Excited for this conversation. Yeah.
1: This would be well, by the way, this isn't a conversation. You're just gonna get
2: grilled the entire time, Bruce. <laughs> Is that right? All right. Well, I'm ready for it. I've had three coffees, I'm ready.
0: <laughs> I've had a couple Red Bulls, so this should be an interesting episode. Uh I you know, John, we were talking about this episode before Bruce got on. And sorry, Bruce, we we tend to have these full blown conversations without our, our interviewers just so that we can be more prepared than you on purpose, but
2: no, I'm joking. Sure. No, that's great. That's great.
0: <laughs> joking, but you know, we, we were talking about this concept of, you know, design build versus hard bid and yeah. you know, we're going to, this program really going to break it down as far as like what the difference is and the advantages and, and all that good stuff. But really what we're trying to fix and the root of the, the, the problem, John, right. Is, is that construction makes up like seventy percent of these guys's uh, guys and gals? These dentist startups, right? Mm, yeah. Any project it could be a startup. It could be an established doctor relocating. Whatever. But seventy percent of your budget is going to go to this guy, Apex. And you know, if there's a place to save, it's here, right? It's not really marketing. It's not really working capital, you know, you do want to spend some money on equipment. We're going to get to that in previous and in, in, in coming episodes, but this is the place
1: we've got to save some money, John. I mean, you well, did. This. You did. I, think, I think this is, you're exactly right. What, what we're trying to do here is allow dentists and empower dentists to have alignment with their partners. I think that's the premise of this entire podcast series, right? That they're educated enough, and they're confident enough to have the right questions, but not only the right questions, that they pick the right partners, that they can say, hey, uh, I love that, but I need to save $1,000, US dollars. How do I do it? You know, And, and, and that's where a, someone like a Bruce is going to be able to say, this is how we can do it. And it, we're gonna get into value engineering. We're gonna get into design build versus um, and, and uh, hard bid. But, you know, today it's about finding the right partner that understands it, that could help maximize your monetary units to get the best space for your vision, which we talked about in a previous episode. So, man, Bruce, do you have this? And you've got uh, 20 minutes to get this done.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Let's go. Let's go.
0: (laughs) Describe what... So let me... uh, Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Apex first. I mean, you guys are, John said... Thing, the whole world. You, you are countrywide. You're doing projects all over the country. And you know obviously, you guys are located in Chicago and just crushing it in Chicago. But tell us a little bit about the company real quick.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'll give you a little background. That'll help with sort of the perspective that we come from as a firm through those conversations that make sense for our listeners. Um, so Apex is a family-owned firm uh, working solely in the healthcare market, private healthcare. So we're a design and construction uh, firm. And We've had the favor of working with over 700 dentists uh, since we began in the dental market in the late 1980s. So I think 1988 was the first dental project for us. Wow. Um, there's been a threat of healthcare since the inception. Um, we uh, started as an architectural firm, actually. So my great-grandfather and grandfather were both architects. Um, my dad and his brothers got into the construction world. And then here we are today um, doing it all. We're designers, architects, builders. Um, And so through the course of our four generations, we've uh, earned the reputation of being the people who do things right. And that's kind of been our whole, our whole approach to the uh, design and construction world. We want to find a way to make this go the right way the first time. Um, So, you know, really what we're known for is our ability to combine that focused healthcare expertise with a comprehensive, one-stop solution for design, architecture, and construction, huh. and the purpose of all that is to bring peace of mind to doctors so that they can concentrate on treating patients while we look after the project. That's really our whole aim. That's the whole premise behind Perfect. creating a process that's design, architecture, construction, all built into one process, which we call the Apex Continuum, seeing it all the way through. That's it. Uh, and that's I mean, we all so, about,
1: and that's. So, I mean, yeah. That 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 actually makes a lot of sense. It's you know the the one stop shop. You know and 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 I, and I get that. You know I in my past yeah. life I actually started a, a, a distributorship that was a one stop shop. So it all makes sense to me. Here, here's my next question. So why would someone want to relinquish all their control, right? Everything without a check and balance to a design build company, right? I'm I'm just saying. Great I'm a- question. Yep. Why would I give you everything and get, say, here's my money, you build it without a check and
0: balance? Well, let's let's define it real quick though, guys. Like hard bid is hiring an architect, right? Hiring an architect and going to three, four, five contractors, I've seen it all, and saying, here's the set of plans, Mr. Contractor, bid this and be the lowest and you win. That's a hard yeah. bid, Right
2: this is a different we like to refer that to that as being the traditional model because what you're doing is you're fo- following a process where in the in the doctor's mind what they're doing is retaining an architect and creating a set of drawings that in theory is going to be an equal playing field for all contractors all general contractors to bid on and may the me- best man win right that's that's the theory that's the concept um, and what i would love to get into is why that's not the case. Because we've been there, right? We've been the architect, we've been the contractor, and it doesn't work that so, way. Hang there, hang there's on, not wait, that. Hang on a second. L-
1: let me stop that. I want you to continue this. Essentially, what this is, is a treatment plan. Let's put it in the dentist world, mm-hmm. right? Someone's provided a treatment plan, right? Which is the mm-hmm. architectural drawings. Perfect. And
2: then they yes. put
1: that treatment plan to five different dentists. And then, whoever is the cheapest, right? Because it's typically the cheapest is going to win that full mouth reconstruction, right? Versus your situation is this person, this dentist, or I mean, this consumer goes to the dentist and says that they want, and they provide the treatment plan and they provide the construction or the actual services rendered on the full mouth Mm -hmm. reconstruction. Correct?
2: Precisely. Exactly right. Now, let's now give you a scenario (laughs) you should you should because i i might borrow it i'll have to pay you uh i'll have to pay you for it though so the thing is that the thing is that if let's take that scenario and just run it one step further so let's say that the the patient took one uh doctor's plan right one one set of plans their treatment plan and and actually went and had another dentist another doctor perform the work now that doctor is working off of someone else's plan. It's somebody else's, it's somebody else's treatment plan, and they're trying to deliver that care according to how it was intended to be delivered. Now, do you think there's gonna be any ambiguity anywhere between yeah. that treatment plan and what that patient actually gets?
1: I yeah. love, it's gross interpretation, gross interpretation. I love where this is, <laughs> Bruce,
0: because the, I think what, you're, what we're all speaking about, the three of us, in between the lines is the architect. Is the architect the problem? Bruce, are you saying (laughs) I'm not? not, (laughs) You're putting me in a, you're putting me
2: in a hot seat here.
0: (laughs) No, I don't mean to be, but, but, but truthfully, I think you're exactly right. So, so the architect is putting these plans together and what you're saying is in theory, I like that you said it in theory, they're trying to create a level playing field, but what you're trying to tell me and I, and I, and I agree with you is that it's not level. Why? Like what, why is it a is it an yeah. advantage there with with a hard with a hard bid?
2: Sure. So so look, it's no it's no one person's uh, problem or at fault, right? What it is is a breakdown of communication. At the end of the day, um, what you're trying to do with a design and construction project is translate thoughts onto paper into reality. So you're trying to get, hey, look, I've got this vision. I want to build the dental practice. I want you know this many ops. Here's the, here's the flow. Here's all the adjacencies that are in mind. The design team or the architect collects that input from the client and documents it on paper. Now you're trying trying to take that and translate it into reality. You're going to build walls. You're going to plumb it under underground. You're going to you're going to build the dental practice. Now that's a that's an, a just an abundance of information, isn't it? So the biggest shortfall with the traditional model is. The, the lack of effective communication when passing off through those multiple parties. The client translates it to the, to the architect or design group. The design group translates it to multiple general contractors to bid it.
1: Yeah.
2: And then the general contractor is trying to translate that into reality. They're trying to build it based on that blueprint. Um, and it's just the, the, the communication has to be bulletproof. It has to be really, really solid for there not to be finger pointing. So usually where we see the well, breakdown. The way, then
1: finger is, pointing actually means money that's in, in terms of change orders, correct?
2: Yep, There's precisely, precisely. Someone
1: screwed yep. up and someone's gonna have to pay for that screw up or misinterpretation or miscommunication,
2: correct? Yep, absolutely right. So what ends up happening is, you know, you get this effect going on where architect is pointing at contractor contractor points at architect and guess who's in the middle, the client. So the client gets to try to interpret who dropped the ball and who is responsible for this problem, because I'm the doctor. I, I mean, I, I shouldn't be left with this. All I want is you to build what you promised you were building for me. Um, so it just becomes, uh, you know, it becomes a, a great big, uh, you know, issue for the client to work out to make sure that the project can continue to progress in the right way. Um, And we can get into examples and specifics of what happens, but from a high level, it's a communication issue. Um, You know, when when a set of plans goes out to contractors for bid, that set of plans has to be 100% complete, 100% documented to accuracy, um, with with no you know, missing information. Otherwise, you're going to have contractors who are bidding. I mean, all that they have is a set of drawings to bid off of, and ideally, they've been to the site and they know where they're where they're building this project. Now, they need to take all you know that information and convert that into a bid. Uh, they need to be able to tell the client, here's what it's going to cost to hire my firm to bid this project. Now, what if there was some pertinent information that somehow was left out of the drawings? what if those drawings were only 85% complete because there are still some decisions to be made by the client, perhaps there were some things left to, you know, once project is underway, we'll figure that out in the field. Yeah, That's not going to be reflected in that contractor's bid. Generally speaking in the main, that's the case. Um, now there's acceptance to every rule, but what I'm trying to point out here is the, is the normal, uh, you know, the normal impact of the traditional model. And again, we were there, uh, in that, in that role on both ends of that side, you know, both sides of that table, the architect and then the contractor. so we saw it firsthand. Um, and to us we said, this is a problem. This is a broken system. let's, let's fix it.
0: Okay, well, so that and- being said then, we're, we're getting into that in, in the next episodes to come. are we are going to interview an architect, a very good one, Dr. Michael, unthank, just a beast in the, in the industry and has a, a legendary uh, resume. Um, he's going to break down hard bid. So let's move now. Let's, so, so now that we've kind of discovered some challenges with the hard bid and poke some holes in it, let's now move to, okay, so some flaws with the hard bid. Maybe the best man didn't win. I could see some change orders with that problem. And I see it every single day with my clients. And John, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you did too, buddy, when you yep. you built your offices. So the question is, is why... Design build, and I think John and I had a great conversation here. You said you would do design build, didn't you say
1: that, John? Well, I would with the right firm, right? I wouldn't do it with a uh, design build that does, you know, residential real estate and construction. You know, the reality is you need someone that has expertise in the architectural standpoint. You know, it's one reason why we have Mike coming on the subsequent um, call because he is the expert in the field of architecture, right? He's a dentist, he's a great space manager. So it's not a matter of only talking about the architecture and the construction piece. It's about the space management, knowing the needs, knowing airflow, knowing egress for walkways, so on and so forth. Because just because you have a great architect and within your design build um, firm, does it mean that the space is going to be built to the specifications of a dental practice? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I put a disclaimer on that. I would want to make sure that I have the baddest of badass architect and the baddest of badass contractor mm-hmm. building my practice. That's how I, you know, and and from a design build standpoint, it allows you to have great alignment and great vision for how much I want to spend and you, you're you not actually in a fight. yeah. But and, and here's the other piece. If you actually have a great architect and a great contractor team that you say, hey, we're gonna play great in the sandbox, you could also get the same results. But it's, it's about having a shitty architect that does not put everything on there, and then there's RFIs, requests for information, like crazy with the bid process that makes Bruce say, I'm no longer going to do this. I'm only going to do design build from now on. I want to control the whole process and make the project right. So Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. where my mind goes. I I went all over the place, but I think everyone needs to understand how many pieces of this there are. It's it's complicated.
0: Well, Bruce, that's probably why you went to design build. So you went to design build, you you already gave the history of, you were architects, you builders, you've gone through the progression. So to John's point, by be, having a great architect and an understanding of dental, that makes you guys a, a great fit. So why, de- mm-hmm. why design build? I mean, big picture sure. quickly, like why design build then, you know, why does it make sense? sure?
2: Yep. I mean, what John said, just a quick disclaimer, it doesn't, you know, you can, you can build your team of a, uh, you know a really solid architect with 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 deep um, you know background of expertise in, in the market and combine that too with a, a contractor with the same depth of experience and, and knowledge and you can have a good result that's that's perfectly possible the the, the issue is not being able to repeat that um, in, a, in a more broad uh, means you can't you can't expect that every doctor is going to be able to land on that combination and that's what led us to this to this process because we found ourselves in that situation we had some projects that went flawlessly we had a really good architect partner we were the contractor it went well um you know there was good communication early on and that's what we discovered and that's what sort of planted the seed is we said look when it when it went well it was because there was early communication between architect and contractor and it was a two-way communication there was input coming from contractor and input coming from the architect both ways they were getting on the same page early on and that's when we said you know what let's let's talk about putting this all together ourselves so now to to get to mike's question here why design build um for us the magic is that focused healthcare expertise and being able to combine that focused healthcare expertise with the leveraging the one-stop shop, we have the ability to, to walk from the designer's desk to the architect's desk to the project manager's desk, all look in the same office. Yeah. And, we can, and, and then what that means now is that we can build a process that ties all of them together from day one, not from Ooh, well, three months see. into the planning of the project
1: or, or a weekly meeting, right? Like sometimes progress of a, um, of a project happens on a weekly meeting standpoint. So hopefully the architect is coming to every meeting, right? Um, Mm -hmm. With the project manager and the dentist and the equipment specialist to walk through that space, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the optimum. Mm -hmm. That's where we can hopefully reverse some issues. Um, But, you know, Sometimes, and, and Mike, you and I have been a part of it. Sometimes the architects, they give this, and then that's the end of it. You never see them again. And by the way, those are usually the shittiest plans that you could see. So the interpretation is horrific.
2: And the cheapest. And the cheapest. And Correct. The cheapest. Correct. Yeah. So
1: in the end, you're going to pay you know, exponentially more in change orders based upon this. Mm-hmm. So when I look at, when I look at the process and I, and I totally, I love the design build process because you're exactly right. You're having weekly meetings amongst staff that are controlling this project
2: mm-hmm.
1: outside of just the weekly meetings, or it, it might even be daily meetings. Hey, I'm having an issue here. This outlet's, you know, too close to this. What what do we do? There, that, that can change things in terms of communication, Isn't there two things about this though, Bruce, to to me, there's
0: two things. The first thing is the fact that there's total collaboration and there's going to be a lack of change orders in the end because of that total collaboration. So that's obviously a huge plus what, but to me, what that really means, um, is that you guys can control the budget from start to finish in a way that. In my opinion, you got an architect third party and a contractor third party, and they're clashing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and to me, that's how you get change orders, and that's how you get budget issues. You know, we 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 laugh. If I put my banker hat on, right? So I'm worried <laughs> about the budget, and and the the doctor's budget, and the doctor's worried about the budget. And you're right. You got the pointing and the fingers in both directions. For those of you watching on YouTube, we we're sitting here blaming each other instead of us. But yeah, you, you get very little change orders and a design builder, you can give them a budget and they're gonna nail it because you you get the synergies of value engineering. And that's something I want you to talk about is the value yeah. engineering process with a design build firm is really what you
1: get the maximum the maximum. Well, but, yeah. but, but hang on a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna let it be that easy because do you actually get the maximum of value engineering if someone, meaning the owner of the design build firm, Bruce, controls all the pieces on the, you know, all the pawns on the board? Like, how, how do yeah. you play that advocate? You know, we, we call it the fox in the hen house, right? Like,
2: yeah, that's the biggest out. fear of. Yeah. Yeah. That is but the biggest concern how of, of how consumers. You
1: remove yourself from that. How do you remove yourself Yeah. From that? getting the project right.
2: Yep, let's talk about it. So, so first, I want to say um, what we're aiming for here is accountability, right? Um, both of you have talked about, um, you know, money blowouts with change orders and time. Time and money are the two things, kind of that, that are going to be the, um, the same thing. The loss. <laughs> they, they're they're very very closely related. Yeah. So so let's talk about how we create accountability though, both for Apex. As being a design builder, but then the client, you know, and in the, in the, the assurance that they can have that the design builder is acting in their best interest. Um, bearing in mind, not all design builders are made equal. Uh, so for us, it's all about process. Um, to, to create accountability and, and ensure that we're not finger pointing, creating issues for the client, time delays, uh, money overruns, all those things, it starts from the process on day one, how do we set the project up? What's the foundation we build up? So for us, the process that we've built is it starts with a very detailed uh, assessment of the client's needs. Now, here's the, here's the critical part of all that. It's not just an architect uh, going through those discussions with the client about what their needs are. It's our design team and our pre-construction team. Now, let me help you understand why that's super, super important. So director of design and director of pre construction sit down with the client and they spend, let's just say, two and a half hours going through the front of the practice to the back, getting all the input from the client of what's their vision, what are all their needs, from the the you know, front door to the back door. Now for us, that is that is the foundation that we build off of. We've just got the blueprint verbally shared with us from the client now it's our job to decipher that distill it down into not only a functional plan that works but also an environment aka that finishes the aesthetics that matches their vision and also the budget because we talk about budget from day one we don't go designing without you know knowing what the budget is we can design till you know we can design to the, to, you know, to the limits. But the thing is, is that we have to set the budget uh, up front on the project. Now that allows our design team and our pre-construction team to work in tandem. And, and, and let's just touch on that for a minute. Cause that's, that's one of the most magical, you know, pieces of the design build process is that um, our pre-construction team is bringing the construction expertise into the design process. Okay. rather than designers bringing a plan and expecting the construction experts to make it happen on budget, on time, magically. So there's a push and pull relationship internally between pre-construction and design. In-house? in In-house, um, in-house, in house. that's right. And and, and what's, under, what's entertaining for our clients is that they get to see this, right? Because we go through... Uh, the fun of it is oftentimes the design. Look, we're making a plan. This 2,800 square foot space, this 8,000 square foot space, whatever it is, we're, we're we're putting a puzzle together that the client's getting super excited. They've got their production space, they want their support space. Not only all that, it looks beautiful. This is this is amazing. Now, before we let that get away uh, from us, we're gonna have that checks and balances of let's talk budget, let's talk timing. Let's talk existing conditions of the space. Are there any columns planted right in the middle where you you expected the reception desk to go? Are the mechanical system going to support all the, all the construction related hiccups that typically come up later in the process. We're going to discover them up front, and we're going to make sure the design is buildable and buildable on budget. Now that's just a sneak peek into the process and how we combine construction and design early on. But I want to touch on, how is the client not getting taken advantage of? Yeah, because
0: I, I wanted you to go back to the risks. I w- let's touch on value engineering next. Cause you were getting into yeah. that because that really is the magic, but to back to John's point, we're not going to let you get off the seat there. How, <laughs> how do you create, how do you not substitute hollow doors when the plan's yeah solid doors? And that's what the architects yeah. always say is, my plan said that the the carpet level or the the carpet grade was here and they
1: substituted yeah. here and that's my value as the architect or or yeah. another one which i've seen soundproofing the mechanical room and they actually just put regular drywall and then suddenly mm-hmm. things that people can't see or feel to the general population so yeah I know your integrity base and you would never do that, but there are mm-hmm. people out there that would do this sort of
2: stuff so that's right that. that's right
1: so back to the risk
2: so so back to the risk so there, there's a reason first and foremost that we've gained the reputation that we have as being the people who do things right um, not only are we for example inflating mechanical rooms we're inflating every single wall in a dental office that's standard and we'll never build a dental office that doesn't have insulated walls everywhere. Huh. We'll only install hollow, core, hollow solid corridors. Uh, we'll never install hollow corridors. Um, right down the line, for us, it's all about building a, a quality dental practice that builds a quality reputation. Um, but I'm not just going to use that as the, the excuse for, for how clients can mitigate the risk with a design builder. Let's get down to um, the facts of how we can give the client peace of mind. So, you know, usually the question we get is, okay, Apex, I can hire you, you'll do it all, you'll take away all of my accountability concerns, but how do I know I'm getting a good deal? How do I know that this is a competitive uh, build-out? Now, one of the challenges that we deal with is that because design-build is not the predominant model in the dental industry, it's difficult for clients to actually compare us to other design-builders of our equal uh, capabilities. Um, so that, that kind of, you know, is is a challenge for us. But what we tell clients is we say, look, the advantage of a traditional model as presented by architects and GCs is the bidding, the bid leveling, the make sure I'm getting a good deal, uh, as well as the architect ensuring that, you know, if they're doing, if they're doing their job, that they're ensuring that, uh, that they're inspecting the project along the way, and it's being built according to plan. Okay, now here's how we also achieve those things. First of all, the bidding for us happens on the subtrade level. We're not self-performing contractors, so so for us, Can you explain yes, that we a little manage-
1: bit further. Explain
2: that. Sure. Yep. That. Sorry, I'm using industry jargon. So um, what that means
0: get down to the layman's here.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what that means is is yes, we have our own site superintendents managing the project through the course of construction. But we are not you know, employing electricians, carpenters, plumbers, uh, all the tradesmen. What we're doing is hiring those tradesmen as subcontractors. And that's what every you know, 90% of the, the general contractors are doing, right? Even just a, a GC. So by APEC bidding out to those sub-trades, That's where our bidding comes into play. That's how I can tell a client, I know I'm getting you the most competitive project um, because I'm bidding it out anyway to my own subtrades and I'm bringing you the best balance of cost effectiveness and quality. Now, let me just say, these aren't just any subtrades, right? Of course, we've built our pool of trades who are are qualified. They've passed the Apex qualification. They have to have... You know, commercial they commercial tradesmen. Big deal. We're not just dealing with, you know, residential, mechanical contractors, plumbers, electricians. You're asking for trouble. If the sub trades don't have the expertise to support the level of product that we're building. Okay. okay.
0: Are so you? That's how I. Bruce, are you saying? Sorry for interrupting. Are you saying that the client gets to see all of those bids in a design build, like it's a negotiated? contract or no?
2: That's not common, but we can do that. Right. And a lot of this depends on look, um, how much trust is there with, with the client? Because some clients can say, here's what I'm going to do just to get back to how they can compare apex to the traditional model. We encourage them to do that, but they have to do it such that they can get real architecture numbers, talk to an architect, make sure you're getting architecture, design, engineering, the full gamut, right? And then talk to contractors and just get get ballpark numbers, that's fine. And we'll share with you our ballpark numbers. And I promise what you're going to find out is at the end of the day, the costs are what they are. The industry, if, if you're dealing with honest architects and GCs and an honest design builder, you're going to find yourself in the same realm, okay? Um, and, and And we do that by a lot of times talking generic industry terms, cost per square foot, which of course we all hate to do because there's so many variables, but nonetheless, we encourage clients to interview architects and contractors if they can't find another design builder to talk to. Uh, And what that does is give them some assurance that look, my, my numbers are competitive. And once we can get past that hurdle, let's talk about how now client, you're in the driver's seat of your budget. Let's get back to the real benefit of design build and that is that you're in the driver's seat of the budget. Now, the way that we can help you is provide construction numbers as we design. We're going to budget this thing concurrently as we design. That's the, the, one of the big differences between design, build, and traditional model, is I'm not going to go and design the whole practice, go out to bid, find that I'm $150,000 over budget, and start over. Now you're going to pay an architect to design, undesign, and then redesign. Right? It's called value engineering. I'd far rather be able to design according to the budget on the first round. Um, that that's a that's a big difference between traditional and design build models.
1: And you know what? You just brought it up that value engineering. Let me ask you this question: um, You know, you have that budget, you have that vision. You know, your your design, um, your your pre-construction and designer. They that you were talking about the levers or the push-pull. Um, mm-hmm. That that value
2: engineering.
1: That's happening early in the process with you guys. Precisely.
2: For, to, avoid, Precisely.
1: to avoid any sort of costly change orders. Because listeners and viewers, what you have to understand, if there's a change in the project, it not only is the effective cost of what that change is at that point in time, but there's additional mm-hmm. cost to unengineer or undo things to get back to that point of getting what you want in the end. So it's not only, hey, that door costs this, now it costs this. There's, you know, there's there's costs in returning things, there's costs in expediting things. So so the bottom line is what I want to ask is this value engineering, how do you approach it and how much how much are you giving your clients the ability to say, hey, you're going down a slippery slope. This isn't in your budget. Is, is that, I mean, that's what a good firm does. That's what a good contractor does. That's what a good architect does.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: That approach as opposed to I'm building my Picasso and this is important to me.
2: Yeah, yep. So so it happens very often in the first few phases of our process. Um, and and the, the bad guy in that scenario is the pre-construction manager because his job is to keep the project on budget our design team, you know, gets gets excited with the client's vision. They're going to take it as far as, as far as the budget will allow them to take it. Um, our preconstruction team gets labeled the dream crusher because they're the guys who are constantly saying, "Hold on a second, budget. Hold on a second, budget." And as long as the client understands that that's their role, they come to appreciate that input, right? Because we're not going to allow the client to go too far. Uh, without knowing how what impact their decisions are having, it's super super critical.
0: I want to link that, Bruce, because I think that's the meat and potatoes this is, of this entire episode. Because if you go do, go down the hard bid path, and I've gone down it mm-hmm. probably, well, for sure, many more times than I have design build. If you go mm-hmm. down the hard bid path, I've had contractors pause stop getting creative stop thinking about creative ways to cut costs and all they do is they bid what the architect is saying and you lose the creativity you lose the co- the value engineering you lose that mm-hmm. button control in my opinion and that's that's to me that's the worst part of it and you and the reason the contractors, I'll defend you guys, is because you don't know if you're going to win this project. So you could hundreds of hours into a plan and then ultimately not get picked. That would suck. Design build is like, to me, like the best of both worlds, but it is a little the fox and the hen. And so there's got to be some trust there. But
2: there has to be. So, yeah.
0: I mean, does that, talk a little bit, real quick, finishing this up. How, you know, a little bit more on that, that push and pull, like, what are some pearls? What are some things that these guys can do to keep their prices down that you see architects doing in in your opinion, kind of a little
1: aggressively, maybe it's lighting, maybe it's curved walls, whatever we talk about all yeah, these. That's, that's a great point. That That's something for the listeners, just things to look at, whether they're going with the design build, or they're going with hard bid. What are some things for people to look at in terms of their packages that they should scrutinize where there are some some fluff where they they should, you know, there's some potential opportunities to
2: save some cash? Sure, absolutely. So, so what I would advise is first and foremost, make sure that you're not sacrificing quality for an aesthetically beautiful practice, because what you're going to do then is if you, if you build the, you know, the, the Taj Mahal of, of practices, with the lighting and the soffits and the flooring and the wall coverings, but you're not dealing with high quality building materials. You're you're pouring money into something that's going to start to fall apart after three years, five years, eight years. You want this thing to, to be durable. It's a high traffic, it's a healthcare environment. So ask the hard questions of your contractor and of your architect about the building materials and the quality first. First and foremost, start there. In other words, know that, There's a difference in flooring and wear layers and the type of product that goes down and how long it's going to last and how soon you're going to have to tear it out and replace it. Same thing for walls, same thing for doors, same things for lighting and ceiling and you name it, every finish in the practice, inquire about it. Also ask really carefully about the mechanical systems. What's going in, you know, under the floor, how are you, how are you plumbing up my, you know, my, my vacuum and my airlines and, and how, you know, how are, how are my, you know, how many power outlets and switches? I going mean to have, it sounds silly, but to know that you're getting a well-built practice first and foremost is yeah. important. Um, I talk about the insulated walls and it's funny, but we see it all the time. Contractors bidding projects and walls aren't insulated. I mean, what's the first complaint to patients? They can see, they can hear everything that's happening in the, you know, on the room next door. Yeah. So, so talk about quality first, then to move to aesthetics. Um, Doctors should be mindful of, uh, you know, of what they're getting as a as a baseline, right? And build on a baseline. Know where the costs are if you build a practice that's well-built, good quality, but baseline aesthetics, and then build up from there. So what I mean by build up from there is now you can start to address, you know, the, the look and feel of practice. Uh, and there's so many different textures and textiles to use, finishes on the walls. Uh, lighting is a is a high impact item that you know can make a big difference in the aesthetics and and it's a cost variable. Ceiling types: acoustical tile versus drywall hard ceiling, soffits, uh, creating nice detail and interest in the ceilings. Think about floors, walls, ceilings, and, and in all those three areas, what what are you applying to the floors, to the walls, the ceiling? Um, and there's and there's so many super creative, super fun options. And that's where you can start to dress up the space. And that's also where the money comes into play. Uh, Again, start with a quality baseline and build on top of that.
1: Love it. I mean, to me, Bruce, we actually gave, uh, of all the interviews thus far, we actually probably gave you the most time to speak about things. But I think it was very, very important. um, Because, you know, Mike and I think we're the smartest people in the rooms. In this episode, you were definitely the smartest person in the room. Um, and and we needed to give you that platform to be able to speak to it, because it's very, very important. And as Mike said, 70% of these people's budgets is going to construction. So, um, or the construction process, it's not only construction. So, you know, in my mind, this was um, very warranted time for our listeners. It was great for me. It's always good to see you. And, uh, you know, I just want you to keep on doing what you've been doing for the industry as a whole. Um, I think you've given our listeners and viewership an amazing amount of information that they're gonna be able to take to their project or utilize you wherever they are in this beautiful country of ours. So, um, from my awesome. Bruce, it was a, a great interview yeah thanks really good yeah
0: being a part of bud i i appreciate it i i know how difficult it is to go against the grain and in a lot of ways you are because everybody is so trained hard bid i think we gave you a great voice today to talk about design build and those options and i think that i think the industry needs more conversations like this for sure
2: thanks guys no i really enjoyed the conversation and hopefully it wasn't uh too condescending, but but we're pretty passionate about design build.
1: <laughs> By the way, that's what this is about.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Listen, viewers, listeners, we're on. We're on all the channels. Uh, go to the description below. Get a hold of Bruce. He you have full access to this dude. He's been architect, builder, hard, hard built, uh, bidder, and now design uh, builder. Gosh, that was a tongue twister he's got all experience go to him directly ask him these questions he's nationwide we're covering the entire country with our partners in this program and this is the one guy that will help you understand the best the pros and cons of design build and uh we're really lucky to have you man thanks for being a part of the show
2: thanks again guys
1: thanks bruce see you buddy all right see you guys Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another truth-filled episode of Startup Uncensored. Check out Startup Uncensored on Facebook and YouTube. Click like, subscribe, and interact with Michael and John.